You're listening to the Bible as literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos. And this is Dr. Richard Benton. Welcome to the second episode of The Bible as Literature. Today we're presenting an interview with Professor Nikolai Roddy, Professor of Hebrew Bible and Older Testament at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. He's also the co-director of the Bethsaida Archaeological Dig in Israel. So we had a chance to catch up with Dr. Roddy at the Antiochian Biblical Institute this year, and I asked him to talk a bit about his work at Bethsaida. Two-pronged career. I, my job, I get paid to teach biblical studies, and, and it's my love, so I, I get to actually uh, get paid to do my hobby. Uh, but another love of mine is for the past 18 years, I've been uh, co-director of the Bethsaida Excavations Project, uh, home of the disciples, not to be confused with Bethesda, one of the sites on the Via Dolorosa. Uh, so uh, that that occupies most of my career time. How did you get How did you get into archaeology? Because you started off doing texts, but then how did you get into archaeology? Well, I, I, I've always had a, a love for archaeology, you know, playing in the dirt. Uh, comes from a very <laughs> early age. Uh, and, uh, and I had some training uh, in archaeology, formal training as an undergraduate. Uh, but, um, you know, back then, uh, anybody who would go into archaeology, particularly biblical archaeology, uh-huh. would have to go for long periods of time, live in a tent and things oh, like that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but things have changed now. The two-week sessions and three-week sessions are nice. Uh-huh. But uh, my life just wasn't, you know, just wasn't conducive to, uh, uh, to my life at that time. So uh, that's why I went into text. Text uh-huh. was actually the secondary thing. Oh. And so uh, I could conduct archaeology in the, mm-hmm. in the text. Uh, but then in 1996, um, I took a position at the University of Nebraska at Omaha, which leads the International Consortium of Schools uh, Digging at Bethsaida, which uh, had been recently discovered in about 1987. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I thought, well, I need to establish some credibility with my students. Uh, and I've always loved archaeology or dreamt about it. I, I will go one time. So mm-hmm. I went one time, and that one time has now turned into about 18 times, oh. almost uh, a full 18. Uh, my daughter Aurelio digs with me. She's 22 now. She's been digging with me since she's 14. Uh-huh. So it's really become a an important part of my life. Uh-huh. So, how does it? How does archaeology fit with your biblical with your biblical teaching and biblical research? How how, do, how does that inform? How do they inform each other? That's a fabulous question. I mean, uh, biblical archaeology, you know, started out. You know, with uh, they talked about. Uh, you know William Foxworth Albright and, and uh-huh. his George Ernest Wright. You know Yigaladin. You know going into the uh, into the wilderness. You know finding the tell the dune and having a uh, a shovel in one hand and the Bible in the other. Uh-huh. You know to like dig up the Bible that sort right. of thing. And you know when John Garstang in the 30s went to Jericho, the you know one of the oldest uh, cities on the planet. Uh-huh. Uh, he uh, there's there was a picture in his book where he's uh, standing there pointing to this. You know what what really looks you could see you know even with an untrained eye a collapsed uh-huh. wall and he's you know oh, yeah. he's found he's found uh, Joshua here well you know dame kathleen kenyon comes along in the 50s with some very sophisticated methods for dating <laughs> and and proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that at the time that uh, uh, that Joshua and the israelites would have come through there was nobody at uh, there's nobody living at Jericho. Uh, it had been abandoned for quite some time, mm. and to uh, you know date the walls to the 15th century BC at a time when 
uh, actually, uh, the the borders of Egypt under Thutmose III would have gone all the way up to Syria. So uh-huh. how can you say you left Egypt if you haven't left Egypt? Uh, so uh, Dame Kathleen Kenyon demonstrated without a shadow of a doubt that there wasn't uh, anybody living at Jericho at that time. And so, um, you know, uh, for me personally, I, I can honestly say that, that I went in detached and, and open. Uh, I had... Uh, uh, studied already enough about the field to know about these things and uh-huh. so you know i i had no expectations and so with the spirit of discovery and uh and the application of scientific methods we you know start to turn things up but one of the things that that i think the archaeology half of my career has done was to continue time and time again to send me back to the biblical text oh and so you know they're they're um it, it, it's really kind of a, a an odd relationship. The archaeology doesn't prove or disprove the Bible, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, archaeology does serve to help enlighten certain aspects of it. For oh, okay. example, in 1997, uh, my uh, team uncovered probably one of the best examples of the uh, Bamaha Sha'ar, the the high place at the gate, oh, uh, anywhere in anywhere in Palestine, yeah. and. And uh, and it's on display in the Israel Museum uh, in, oh. in Jerusalem right now, and uh, just you know, fantastic thing. Well, you know, we read about these in the in the Bible, right? You know? So, yeah. well, what does one look like? And it it just it enables me to to speak with a little more credibility and yeah. a little more confidence and knowledge that I know what I'm talking about. It's yeah. interesting, you know, uh, this directionally in terms of the relationship between archaeology and the Bible, typically. When you think about fundamentalism and right. archaeology, and you always see these articles that come out once every quarter where somebody has some new undiscovered scandal that has to do with the box they found somewhere or whatever. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. But what you're saying, it, it's not that you're reading the text and looking outward for something to validate the text. It's a very different dynamic. You're, you're, you're looking at it more as almost an extension of the historical critical Antiochian tradition of analysis where you try to understand the historical setting and how does that end? I mean, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, when we, when we think of the, the, you know, the so-called crises in biblical studies, it's yeah. always been, you know, well, uh, you know, do you take a historical critical method or do you take a literary method? You know, what's going on? And, and really, I mean, the, the old days of biblical studies, when it started out, it was, you know, uh, you know, Herman Gunkel, you bring all the tools you have right. yeah. to, to the text, sure. you know, and an archaeology is just one of those tools. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it seems to me that there's a difference between um, using archaeology to discover the world of the characters in the Bible and discovering the world of the writers of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like that seems like which, which, which where you which where are you focusing your your archaeology? And first, there was a lot less discussion about the writers. Like early on, you know, 19th century, we're talking about Heilsgeschichte, and you know, it's what are the events that happened that prompted writing of the Bible. So then it's a focus on the events that, that within the text. Whereas um, later on, it was like, well, these writers of the Bible are themselves human beings. And so since they are human beings, um, you know, what's the way that they are, what's influencing them to write the way that they're writing? Boy, that was a great interview. And I, towards the end there, I really appreciated your observation about the difference between the historical character versus the historical setting and how that subtle point can actually lead in fundamentally different directions. Yeah, you know, I, I think it really does. I mean, you know, when you dig up something in archaeology, you dig up a pot, you dig up uh, a figurine, you dig up a coin, you don't, know some, you don't know anything about the individual who held it. I mean, we don't have fingerprints that we can dust for here. 
Um, but what you can start to do is if you have enough pieces of information, then you can start to construct um, a, a, society, a society. You can construct a story about a society that would produce it. Again, we're not going to figure out about the guy who wrote this, the guy who picked up the, the pen, but we can understand what, what, what sort of person, what sort of economic strata the guy came from, you can understand what sort of ink they used, and right. what you can even understand what minerals they used to go into the ink. Now, this kind of seems moot when we're trying to understand the meaning of a sacred text, but when we understand more about the society, about the language, we understand about the context, and we understand about how people relate to each other, and this is especially important when we're talking about the Bible, because the Bible is talking about the relationships with power, and relationships among different peace people in society. Um, if we know something about priests from the Bible, um, so for example, we know that in the Bible, the the leaders are, are complaining that the people are following other gods and that they should never follow these other gods. And we think, well, how could the Israelites be so stupid to follow other gods? Right. And then you go and you dig and you find, oh, the most common uh, archaeological artifact that you find are these little fertility Figurines, you know, just I, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, half a foot long or whatever. Right. Then he's like, "Oh, this was actually a thing." And one of the things that Dr. Roddy was telling me in another conversation is they actually found a bama. They found a high place that the Bible is talking about. So we know that they existed. We know that these are real places, and so we can understand when the people are talking in the when the when the writers of the Bible are writing. They're speaking about a place that we know for a fact existed. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting. The flip side is, you know, the observation that Professor Roddy made about Jericho Mm -hmm. and how they can prove scientifically that there was no presence in Jericho at the time that someone trying to apply the Bible historically would say that there would have been a settlement or civilization there. And, uh, you know, it is important with respect to the Bible's discussion of power because the fact that there was no one present at Jericho right. makes it very difficult for the fundamentalists to make the case that the book of Joshua is a blueprint uh, for violence in, you know, in, in current events. Right. You know. And the other thing I think is interesting is, you know, we know that there was a pile of rubble in Jericho at the time that this text was written. Right. Um, so... You know, what it is, when you think of it that way, then you understand that the story of Joshua is talking about how destruction comes about. And this is really what the Bible is doing. The Bible is trying to explain why is there destruction? Why is there death? Um, And that it's always teaching. And so it it enlightens that, that pile of rubble in Jericho. And instead of just being a pile of rocks, it's a teaching mechanism for the people to understand uh, about power and about life and about death. It's so interesting because while you were talking, I was going through this, this sort of steps in my mind of thinking about how the Bible works and asking the question, well, in the way that the Bible is written, isn't it possible for the fundamentalist to take this and use it to abuse people mm-hmm. from the other group or the other religion, the other tribe? But I think because Scripture is post-apocalyptic in its Mm -hmm. mentality. It anticipates the inevitable destruction of Jericho. Right. And if a bunch of fundamentalists pick up the book of Joshua and decide to hasten that destruction, from the post-apocalyptic perspective, it's irrelevant. Right. It's almost like an acceptable, acceptable casualty of human stupidity because sooner or later this is the end, and the sooner you accept that end or realize that end, the sooner there's hope for humanity. Right. To, no, to move I, forward. And I'm just going to pick up on what you said. I mean, post-apocalyptic, I think, is important because 
you can do this with any pile of rubble. I mean, the only difference in in uh, Joshua between um, Jericho and Ai is that the Israelites got beaten when they tried to take on Ai by themselves, and they were able to conquer Jericho on their own. Today, Ai and Jericho are piles of rubble, and they both teach the same lesson. Um, so it's the Bible used as a as a um, as a lens for understanding uh, understanding history. Um, it's not history itself. And at the same time, what Dr. Roddy is doing in, um, in archaeology is finding out more about the writers and what was the, the, the circumstance, what was the society, what was the landscape that they're writing about. And sure enough, as we read more, we understand that humanity is humanity. People change a lot less than we think. And um, when we claim that the Israelites are stupid, um, it's not uh, their 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 stupidity looks a lot like the stupidity we have uh, uh, by ourselves, and we also can't misinterpret. Like I said, the archaeology tells us about a society. The Bible is talking on a societal level; it's not talking on an individual level. And so I can say I'm not as stupid as those Israelites. I'm sure there were plenty of Israelites who were who are not so stupid, but Israel as a whole is what the story is about, and so we can't look at ourselves as individuals, but we have to look at our whole society. No. What kind of stupidity is our no. society showing? It's the systematic stupidity of human civilization. Exactly, that, civilization. That's what I would say. I mean, and all you need to do is, is, is go spend a month in Egypt. Don't visit the people. Don't drink Arabic coffee. Don't decide what you think about politics. Go to Egypt. Visit the archaeological sites mm-hmm. and just look at the layers and layers of civilization and the layers and layers of religion and see the outcome. Right. And then you recognize that the writers of Scripture understand systematically, methodically, what the outcome of our behaviors as community always are. It's really, it's really a very impressive. Anyways, mm-hmm. it was a great interview. Yeah. It's great to wrap up, have this conversation. I look forward to our next episode of The Bible as Literature. See you next time, Father Mark. You take care, Dr. Benton. You've just heard the Bible as literature. Thanks for listening.